This podcast episode has us introducing you to our BCN and friend, Casey Green. As Janie Shoemaker and Michael Dexter talk with Casey Green, you'll learn about her nursing journey, including her full-time job at Hopkins. And you would want to miss her story about the broken shoe that may make you pause the next time you put on your own shoes. This episode is called Meet Critical Care Casey. Hello, and welcome to the BCEN and Friends podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCEN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, to create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. I'm Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCEN, and I'm joined today with my co-host, Janie Shoemaker, CEO at BCEN. Hello, Janie. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I'm excited about today's uh, podcast. In this episode of BCEN and Friends, we have Casey Green. Janie, could you please tell us about our BCEN and friend, Casey? Oh my gosh, I would be so excited to tell you about Casey. Casey Green has been a nurse for six years. She started in med surge telemetry and then moved to the emergency department. She also has six years as a volunteer firefighter and EMT, and she's working on finishing her paramedic license. Casey has four associate degrees in nursing, Spanish, general studies, and one bachelor's degree in nursing and she's looking forward to CRNA school in the future, hopefully. She wears many hats in the area of nursing jobs. She has all these jobs currently, let me tell you about them. She is a critical care ground transport nurse. She is um, an emergency department nurse. She works pediatric cardiac ICU. That is her full-time job at John Hopkins. Um, She is also a nursing clinical instructor at Howard Community College, and that is the same college, by the way, where she obtained all of those associate's degrees, and she's been awarded as an inspiring adjunct faculty. In August of 2021, she launched Critical Care Casey, a platform for critical care education, helping nursing students get through nursing school mentoring students and nurses, and helping nurses reach their certification goals. We'll talk more about Critical Care Casey and where you can find that website or where those platforms are later in the podcast. But right now, Casey Green, welcome to the BCEN and Friends podcast. We are so excited to have you here today and look forward to spending some time with you. Okay, so Casey, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your nursing journey. Hey, I'm Casey. Um, I am 28, and I always say that because people, I always get asked that. I'm 28. Um, I currently work in the pediatric cardiac ICU at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, and I also, like Janie said, do a lot of other nursing jobs. Um, and I also I started out in med surge, and my unit closed when I was a new nurse, so that was is what brought me to the ER. Was very passionate about becoming an ER nurse. And then I worked in ICU for a little bit here and there and made the complete move full-time to the ICU in April of this year, which I still love the ER, but made the move to hopefully apply and hopefully get into CRNA school next year. Wow. You've been really busy. 
(laughs) You've accomplished a lot of things in your uh, career so far. Very impressive. Thank you. Very impressive. So you work at a very prominent, well-known healthcare system. What does it feel like to be a Hopkins nurse? I, for me, being a Hopkins nurse means so much um, because I grew up in Maryland and Hopkins has always been, Johns Hopkins has always been there. And for me, it's just a hospital that's in our backyard. But then when I actually started working there, it was really ex- very life-changing to work there, not just as a nurse, but just the mentality of Hopkins and I always say that um, I worked at University of Maryland before, and that's, it's like you see people from the state there. It's a very big state hospital. People from all over the state go there. And then at Hopkins, people from all over the world go to Hopkins. So it's very, it's been very interesting to learn about different cultures, different languages that people speak. And there's a translator for every single language. And that was like new as well. And just all the diversity that comes into Hopkins, as well as just working for an institution that, you know, you hear Hopkins on the radio, you hear Hopkins on TV, and it's just very, very forward thinking there. And that's what makes working there so great. And having the opportunity to work there. When I first got hired, people, I they ask you like, oh, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from like 20 minutes away here in Columbia. And they people that I asked were like, I'm from Michigan or I'm from Canada. And so people come from all over the country to work at Johns Hopkins. And I didn't really realize it until I worked there how how different it is to work there. It's very it it makes your heart happy at the end of the day because you know that you're giving like world class care to people. Wow, that's that's amazing. You know, I think we all would like to walk out at the end of our shift and feel like you just described, like you were able to give that world-class, world-class care. That's, that's incredible. And I'm sure that you learn an amazing amount of things every single day working in an environment like you just described. So much. I've learned so many things in emergency nursing, in just nursing in general, and just like medicine because Hopkins is so involved in research. So it's like the cutting edge of everything is there. And Mm -hmm. I will say, I don't tell many people this, but I still get goosebumps every time I walk into the hospital and I've worked at Hopkins since um, I've been there for almost two years. Mm -hmm. And every shift, when I look at the main entrance as I walk in, I still get goosebumps. And I still think like, wow, I work here. And you just, tell people when you work there, you're just say like, I work at Johns Hopkins and they automatically are like, oh my gosh, it's a good hospital. Um, so it, it means a lot to me to work there. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I can tell that it does mean a lot to you. That's neat that you get goosebumps when you walk through the door. That, that's really, that's really cool. That's really cool. That means that you have found your place and you love what you're doing. Yes. Even every day. Yeah. And it really speaks to the culture of the organization as well, uh, that not only are they so well known by the name and by what they do in the world-class care, but, you know, the culture that, that would, that would foster that feeling within their employees is, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, Casey, you have all five certifications that BCEN has to offer. And on top of that, you also hold the CCRN, 
So that's all pretty amazing. Um, what motivates you to be this high achiever that you are? I think for me, what motivates me the most is just, I, <laughs> I looked at myself in 2020, I looked at myself at the beginning of the year and I said, well, this is like entering, I'm, I'm going into um, ending year five in March. And at this point, like, what do I have? So I feel like I give good care as a nurse. I feel like I am a strong nurse. I've precepted people, but I don't have any certifications. And I had actually taken the CEN in 2016 and I failed by a point. <laughs> it, whew, it just stung me. And like, I knew that I, I knew that I wasn't like a bad nurse or anything for not passing. And I was very transparent about the fact that I did not like pass it. Um, but I was like, I, I really want to get that. And I, I knew I was going to be looking to apply to CRNA school. So I was like, okay, I have to get my CCRN. And I want to get my CTRN because I've been doing that for about two years at that point and that now. And I said, okay, well, I'm looking for that. And everything else, I kind of, I have this really bad, it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing. If I believe enough that I can do something, I'm like, I can do it. So I just kept telling myself, like, you, you can do this. You can, you can pass all these tests if you just think that you can. And so I sought out help um, from Pam Bartley and started to try to think about how I could go about taking these tests. And it was after I had a lot of experience that I felt like I was ready. So I didn't, when I took it previously, I'd only been in the ER for a year. And it was very clear when I took it that I was not ready to take it yet. So I kind of, once I had the experience behind me, did that. And what just kept motivating me was how excited I was going to be. And I actually had the pins. So I knew I was, I knew at some point I was going to have all five. I was like, it doesn't matter if it's today, tomorrow, whatever. So I actually bought the pens and I put them in my drawer in my office. And I literally every day would take them out and like, look at them. And I would just look at them and say, like, I really want to achieve this. And how and how much studying do I need to do to achieve it? And really, like, that's what kept me motivated was thinking about, like, how great it'll feel to be on the other side of certification. You know, Casey, that's so interesting that you say that because I do I'm a firm believer in that what you think about is sort of what you attract yourself. So you know, if you're somebody that goes around and says, oh, I'd really like to be certified, but I'll, I'll never pass the test because I'm just a terrible test taker. And so I'm, I'm never going to pass. I'm never going to pass. And if that's what your thought process is, guess what happens when you go to take the exam? Whereas I love what you did with buying those pins. You've got them in your drawer. You take them out. You look at them. You say, this is what I'm going to achieve. This is what it's going to feel like. This is what it's going to look like for me. And I can do this. Such a different mindset. I just think that is so, um, that's such a positive way to look at it. And obviously you were successful. So congratulations, because there are only about 80, 89 or 90 people in the whole world that have all five of those. Plus you've got your CCRN. So that's a uh, you know, that's, that's uh, icing on top, right? So congratulations. That is not an easy thing to do. That is a lot of study involved. Um, we're very proud of you. 
Thank you so much. It was yeah. it was a lot of study. Yes, it, is, it, it is a lot. And it is a lot to be proud of as well that you even though you had failed it that first time that you that you came back and did that. So that's that's really cool because I know and I'm sure, you know, a lot of nurses, they fail at one time and they're like, I'm never taking that again. It's terrible. Yes. It's tough. And and to me, that that's a motivator. If, if I fail a test, I want to go back and and prove that I can do it. It's a personal thing. I want to prove to myself that I can do it. I don't, I don't need to prove it to ever, anybody other than myself. <laughs> and I think that that's really cool. So congratulations again. That's a, uh, that's a lot to be proud of. As Thank far you. as and I tell people, oh, I just wanted to say, I tell people that I failed because you can go out and finish them. Like, don't just give up that you failed and you're not a bad nurse. If you like, don't pass, like, it's not, it's not, I mean, it, there's a lot of like deep thinking on, on those and it goes deeper than just like knowing material. So if you don't pass, just don't like think that you are some terrible nurse. And I just tell people that now because I think people think I just passed all of them the first time, no problem. And the CEN I took twice. Yeah, I've had I've had people ask me before, are you just a really good test taker? How did you how did you pass those certifications? And and I tell them, like, I, I don't feel like I'm any different of a test taker than anybody else. I just put a lot of time and effort and study into it. And and for those that say I'm not a good test taker, I don't think I can take the CEN. I tell them, well, you passed your NCLEX. <laughs> so so you've passed one test already and you've done well, so you can pass another. Um, as far as your career, I know we talked about um, going to CRNA school and, and you obviously have accomplished a lot already in the, in the years you've been a nurse, but uh, do you have anything else on the horizon, any other plans, uh, or do you even have time to think about that right now with all you have going on? I'm a future thinker, so it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, I always think about what as soon as I finish something, I think, what do I want to do next? So after I took the CPEN and passed, it was like, okay, that's cool. Now what? I don't, what do I want to do next? Um, I've kind of thought, flipped around the idea of taking the PED CCRN. Um, I'm also, I'm scheduled to take the cardiac medicine certification test um, at some point in time. I think I've changed it around a couple times and finished my psychomotor for paramedic. Those are like the big three things uh, that I have going on. See, long-term is CRNA school. So I'm applying next year. And really right now I've kind of shifted like my focus from me doing things for me to shape my career to helping other people shape their careers um, from my nursing students to just nurses that have like reached out to me about like they want to take the same certifications I did or different ones too. That's completely fine. I periodically look at the list of like all the lists of certifications. So whenever people ask me, um, how can I be competitive for CRNA school or just, you know, how can I get a certification that steps out? that stands out from other people, I'm like, well, did you look at the list? Because there's a lot of certifications that nobody even knows they exist. And you have the letters behind your name and people are like, what, what is that? And for me, that's the transport um, nurse. The CTRN is the one that people look at and they're like, what, what is that one? Because not many people have it. Um, so that's, I've really shifted my focus from me to others currently. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. 
That's really good. And, and you've talked about certifications and part of certification, as we all know, is the initial test taking part of it. But the other part is maintaining it through continuing education. And you have uh, six national certifications, and that does take quite a bit of contact hours, a, a lot of, of continuous learning. So how do you as a nurse embody lifelong learning? And what is your perspective on the need to continue to be relevant with, with continuing education as a certified nurse? That is so, it's so important to me. I really, 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 really stress the importance of like knowing what's changing. And I just learned the other day that um, amniotic amniotic air embolism in pregnancy changed to anaphylactoid syndrome in pregnancy. And I was like, oh, interesting name change. And then I looked at all the research behind it. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting that that's, like that's fueling why we changed the name. And also just on my certification journey, I kind of learned that for me to succeed, it was not about the test. So if you are not a good test taker, don't focus on like, I have to do these questions for the test, more so learning the things as you do it. So I learned a lot about ER and pediatric nursing, and I've been doing it for five years and now six, but I learned so much more that things I hadn't seen, snakes, we don't really see snakes in Maryland. So pit vipers, uh, we don't see them. But I learned about it and learned so much during like taking certifications. But I also look, I don't really look for the continuing education stuff that's like the bread and butter stuff. I look for the weird things that we're not talking about or new brand new like topics that it just came out topics. Um, and I'll look for, I like subscribe to every single journal and I'll look at new research that's coming out, both in ENA and Society of Trauma Nurses and the Critical Care Transport. And even if you're somebody that's like, you don't want to sit down and take classes, uh, subscribe to the journals when you're a member, like they, they add on to your membership. And I usually will bring those to work with me so that if I have any kind of downtime, or if I'm sitting and doing something and I just, I need like a mental break for five minutes just to kind of peruse, I'll open them up and I learn something every shift. And I teach people at work. I'll be like, oh, did you know we're doing this now? Um, or I'll ask our doctors, like, what are you guys researching right now? What are, what's like the new thing? And ask if they can send like journal articles to me. So lifelong learning is like critical because things change, like things have changed when I first became a nurse, we still, and, and even an EMT, we still backboarded people. So we did like the full spinal precautions for people. And now it's like, we're getting them off of the backboard. And so if you're not like researching and reading and you don't understand why we're doing it, then you're behind the times. And to be, I think to be a really good nurse, you kind of have to be up on what we're, what's new and what we're doing, because then you're challenging like the, what, what are we doing? How can we continue to be like excellent in nurses and like still advocate for our patients? Yeah, I think that's really, that's really important. And modeling that professional behavior, as well as pushing for evidence-based practice in nursing care. I think the only way we're going to see some major changes in healthcare is to have more nurses like you that are pushing for that evidence-based care. And and those things, I, it's funny, you brought up the backboard story. I actually was, when I was working as an EMT, I got in trouble one time for not putting somebody on the backboard in full spinal packaging because they were walkie talkie, had no injuries on scene, but our protocol was if they were involved in, in a car accident to, to, uh, 
do the full spinal packaging. And it's funny to see now how that's just totally changed. And, and, um, but it's also good to see that it's changed for the right reasons. So really yeah, neat. And I, um, I just want to throw in, it just warms my heart, Casey, that you are a nursing student instructor and you can start to ingrain this same kind of mindset into them because it's so important. I mean, that's really where it has to start. So I'm really excited that you, your, your hands are on our future nurses. That, that is making my day right now after listening to what you just said about lifelong learning. Absolutely. Teach Marley. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Start them off on the right foot and, and they'll have a good pathway. Is there a specific patient in your career that has made a significant impact on you, on your practice, on anything that you'd like to share with, with the listeners? Yeah. One it's, and it seems like it's such a like silly thing. Um, I once had a patient who homeless patient and every ER nurse, if you're listening, you're like, Oh, homeless person. Um, and you're like, Oh, it's not somebody very complex. But a lot of times I've learned, especially if you can get burnout very easy in emergency nursing and even in the ICU very quickly, we're probably two of the most at risk for like burnout within the first like couple of years of our career. And I had a patient once we were had a lighter shift. Um, it was still heavy, but lighter shift. And I had a patient who we were discharging homeless gentlemen, lovely patients. But as he was walking out of our emergency room, his shoe broke. And it seems like silly, but for him, it was like his last really important possession that he had from before he was homeless. And he was very upset about it. And I got him like new shoes that were from like our donation closet. But in that moment, it didn't matter to him because it wasn't his shoe. So I actually sat down on the floor, like, sat down literally on the ground in our ER, um, would not recommend get a chair, <laughs> but I sat down and I glued his shoe back together so that he could have his shoe and wear his shoe still and tried to like glue it in a way that it wouldn't like fall apart. But for me, some of my coworkers, when I got up off of the ground, I turned around and there was like, a whole bunch of coworkers behind me and one of our doctors said, like, I I've never seen anybody take the time because I was busy, but and I was in charge. So but I just I couldn't imagine somebody going out without their like favorite possession, like being broken. So for me, it really changed how I thought about emergency nursing, because we're not just like save them and they go. And sometimes it is gluing somebody's shoe back together. And sometimes, you know, you're holding you know, we fight the reaper kind of like, oh, that's what people think about ER nursing. But it's more than that. Like, you know, yes, we would love healthcare to be great and wonderful. But, you know, we do things like gluing somebody's shoe back together. And he cried and I started to cry and other people in the unit were crying and we were just a big blubber fest. But um, for me, it changed how I cared for people because I realized it's not always about saving people people's lives is not like the metric of like how you care for somebody. And, and we, a lot of times in the ER, sometimes we forget to care for people. We're so wrapped up in the emergency part that we don't think about like caring for them as a whole person, which is what nursing and like what we do as like nurses. And it's very easy to lose that in the clinical like technicalities of ER. So that changed like my opinion on that. And 
it was something very simple, but it really made me think like, okay, if one of my coworkers were like, I would have just like let him leave. And she was like, after that, she said like, I really need to, she, she kind of was like, I really need to like think about how I've cared for people in the past and how we can be better, like caring for people as a whole person when they're in the emergency room and seeing them for just more than whatever their like triage note is when they come in. Yeah, exactly. That was wonderfully said. I, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I think everybody needs to hear that story because you're exactly right. There's so much more to caring for a person than, than the immediate needs that are often in the triage note or, or some of those, those medical needs. I, I know a lot of nurses when they're newer think nursing is about titrating drips or, or doing CPR or those, those things like that. And, and I think you said it very well. Nursing is really about caring for the whole patient. And so that was, that was a wonderful story. Thank you. Yep. And I think, I think too, one thing we can all do is, you know, you call people by their names and not, not the patient in room three or, you know, the abdominal pain or whatever like that. Um, when I, when I got into nursing a long time ago, that was um, sort of a bad habit we had that needs to, it's still around in some cases it needs to be, needs to be broken, that habit. Yes. I um, always try to, when I go in people's room, um, to call people, to ask them before I even say like, hi, I'm Casey, I'm going to be your nurse. How would you like to be called? I really try to get into the habit of that and mm-hmm. not just assume that they want to be Mr. or Mrs. their last name, or like some people hate their last name, or I've run into it in triage before I've had a trans patient, a transgender patient that I didn't know that they were because I'm just calling their name. And now we have pictures and stuff. And, you know, you very quickly apologize and ask them what name they want to be called. And I make a point of putting it in like my triage notes Mm -hmm. or notes about them that like this is their preferred name. These are their preferred pronouns or this is just how they want to be called. Right. Great. Um. So Casey, how do we attract more nurses, Um, especially nurses like you? You are such a high achiever and you've got so much going for you and you're helping other people. How do we attract more nurses into the profession? How do we get them into these emergency and critical care settings? Because that can be some kind of sometimes makes people anxious or but how do we get more nurses like yourself? How do we get you here? What what can we all do? So I um, I like to this is my like. I feel so good about this. Um, So when I teach nursing school, I do when people start fundamentals and I teach them right before they leave. And when they go into that last class, it's very much critical care and ER. It's advanced med surge, but that's kind of where you land on like the spectrum. So they learn about chest tubes and intubation and all of those things and triage and mass casualty, all of those types of things. And I kind of like, this is where I like, do my raise the roof because I've taught 30 students in that class. And some of them are very afraid of be of critical care. And I think that you, if you expose them to it early, meaning like at clinical, we go and we see the ER, we see the ICU, they're not doing anything. They're just looking and you're telling them what's going on. And you kind of explain it to them. Like there's no, no, on any other specialty, there's no like, hating on any other specialty, but I have a special place in my heart for all aspects of critical care and like ER. Um, But I kind of like take them around and show them what we do, explain how we do it. And I kind of, 
the thing is, I think in critical care, we used to be, we would be very like, not eat your young, but kind of like, if you can't hack it, you can't like keep up with us. And being very nurturing. Um, and that I feel like when you're very like, you're part of the team from day one, it keeps people interested in it. And you feel like you're a part of like the ER team or the critical care team. So out of my 30 students, 22 of them either work in an ER or an ICU. And out of those 10 of them in the beginning of the semester were afraid of of the ER and the ICU, very much so. Um, But I also think networking and mentoring is really, really important too. So if people haven't, if people are very interested in it, that we don't tell them like, oh, you have to do med search for a year first. Med search is great. I did that. I had six people and I learned how to prioritize and do things very quickly because you have a lot of people. But if somebody's like life goal is to be an ER nurse, then like, why do we stifle that? You just kind of have to let them like explore it. And also pairing them with somebody that that is enjoys the career just like they do. And we really fight to keep people involved, like in it. When I was a brand new preceptor, I had a nurse who was a new grad and she had had a very rough orientation until she switched to me. And we kind of had to go back in time and like teach her all the things. But the big, big thing is for the cohort of new nurses, six of them were about to quit. They couldn't, they just hated coming to work. And so we really, all of their preceptors, because we were all friends, we got together to like support them and really like, hey, you did a really good job with this. And you, you know, yeah, we'll work on this, but we have time, like, let's do this. So I kind of think that sometimes too, in the emergency and hustle and bustle of critical care, we kind of don't teach like our new nurses, like, yes, you're going to make mistakes, you're new. But we're going to get you there and be really, really supportive of those people because it's really hard. Like we forget, I think sometimes when you're in it for like five, six and plus years, you forget how hard it was when you started. And when I started ER, I had a really intense passion for it and it was still super hard. And it took like six months for me to feel like I wasn't stupid every time I came to work. So just kind of teaching them and like exposing them to people people and hey this is my this is one of the nurses on the unit she's new but she's great and just building them up before you know and letting them supporting them I think support is the real reason that we lose people because we don't support them and kind of like you know for us five years in death is just death I mean not just but it doesn't hit you as hard as it did when you first started and like really supporting people so they don't run the other direction it's great. Very good points there. It is, it is easy to unintentionally um, make people anxious and run people off and not celebrate their successes or recognize those successes. It's very easy to get busy and miss those things. So again, sounds like you're making a difference in a lot of areas, Casey. It's very, it's very refreshing. I'm doing my best. Well, you're doing a great job and you have a lot to be proud of. Um, these these next few questions are what we call rapid fire questions that we like to ask everybody. And so the first one, if you were not a nurse, if you were not doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? I would either be a firefighter paramedic or I would be a chemist. A chemist. Okay. I love chemistry. Cool. I have three categories on the next one here. And if uh, you would like to skip over any of them, just say skip. But the first one is, what is your favorite book? 
It's actually called The Seven Deadly Sins by Corey Taylor. He's a lead singer of Slipknot. It's my favorite book. Okay. And what about your favorite movie? My favorite movie. Ooh. It's probably, oh my gosh, the name just escaped me. But the, the oh my gosh, the hidden, it's about the scientists that helped NASA. The four black scientists that helped. Yes, thank you, Hidden Figures. Whew. Yes, it's an excellent movie. I had it and it went away that fast. Yep. I, thought, I, really, I really thought you were going to skip that one because I don't know how in the world you have time to watch any movie. So I'm, I'm surprised you have a favorite one. You're yeah. so busy. Uh, what about your favorite song? My favorite song? I don't have a favorite, but kind of anything. I'm, so people will see me and not believe it, but uh, I like Slipknot. That's my favorite band. So anything by Slipknot is my favorite. All right. If our audience would like to follow you online, what social media platforms are you on? So I have everything. Um, The best place to reach me if you have like questions or if you just want to follow me and have like education stuff is Instagram. Um, My Instagram's heykcg. I have a critical care Casey Instagram, but the Hey KCG is the better to reach me on. Um, you can ask me anything and I open it up for people on the weekends to ask me anything that they want. And I respond back. Um, and I also I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. It's just Casey Green. Just look me up and you can also feel free to add me on either because again, any questions you have about the profession about the journey, you just me as a person, you, I don't care. You can email me, you can ask me as well. Um, and you can follow me there. Okay, great. And, um, uh, again, that Instagram is Hey, H E Y K C C A S E Y. And then G Hey, Casey G. Uh, one thing I meant to ask you earlier is do you have any hobbies? Do you have any, any hobbies or interests? So I, it's interesting because I realized recently that um, I don't have any hobbies that don't have to do with medicine so or like firefighting. So that's my big hobby is firefighting and doing EMT. Um, not really a hobby, though. But one of the other hobbies that my husband and I have gotten into is um, doing like leatherworking. And when I had surgery... <laughs> My husband's mom taught me how to crochet. So I've been making like little scarves and blankets because I'm not any good to make anything else. Hey, that's good though. It's neat. If any of our listeners would like to find any more information about Casey, you can find it in the description page of this podcast. I want to take this time to thank Casey Green for joining us for this episode of BCEN and Friends. So thank you, Casey. Thank you for sharing your time. We really appreciate it. It's been fun and and entertaining and engaging. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And to all of our listeners, we hope you will stay tuned as we continue on with BCEN and Friends and bring you new and meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcen at bcen.org. Again, I'm Michael Dexter, along with Janie Shoemaker, and on behalf of the entire BCEN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you're doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time.